Thank you. And this morning we continue our study in the book of James. And I have been saying each time that James wrote this letter to encourage us to maturity, that as believers we are to grow up, we are to become mature. And so when we began, he said we could therefore rejoice in trials, because when trials come to us, the result is that they bring us to maturity. And then he said we need maturity when we face temptation. We all face temptations in life, and we need maturity to face those temptations. Last week, as we were looking at, uh, at the passage of Scripture, he said we also need maturity in controlling our tongue. And then today in our text, he is speaking about conflicts and quarrels that ultimately will lead to war if we are not mature in our dealing with them. Now, there's no one who enjoys conflict, no one enjoys quarrels, and certainly no one enjoys war. I know sometimes watching the media that they try to present the president as being a warmonger, someone who enjoys war, but no one in their right mind enjoys war. In fact, Dwight Eisenhower said, I hate war as only a soldier who has lived it can, only as one who has seen its brutality, its stupidity. General Schwarzkopf referred to it as the profanity that is war. So we all hate conflict. None of us likes quarrels, and certainly we don't embrace war. And yet it is a fact of life. And so James is dealing with that. Take your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us, but He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, heart, uh, your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. The world has always been at war. From the time Cain killed his brother Abel, violence entered into the world. Nations go against nations in war. In fact, since recorded history, only 8% of the time has there been total peace in the world. World War II cost 60 million lives and $1 trillion. The irony of it is that it came one generation after Woodrow Wilson referred to World War I as the war to end all wars. And then wars have followed those wars. 
There's been Korea and Vietnam, and, and now we are involved in a war on terror. The fact is, we have always been at war, but you'll notice there in verse number 1, James says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? So James here is referring primarily to the quarrels and the conflicts among the people of God. In fact, you recall in chapter number 2, he is speaking about conflicts concerning class. And he, he talks about the preference of the rich over the poor and the conflict that is there. In chapter number 5, he talks about the conflict between the employee and the employers. So primarily in this passage of Scripture, James is speaking about the conflicts, the quarrels that take place within the body of Christ. And we see that throughout the New Testament. There have always been these quarrels. There have always been these conflicts within the body of Christ because of spiritual immaturity. The Corinthian church, interesting church. All of the spiritual gifts were operative in that church, and yet that probably was the most dysfunctional church in the entire Bible. They quarreled about leadership. There were those in the church who said, well, our leader is Peter. We follow Peter. He is a bombastic, dynamic preacher. And then there were others who said, well, our, our preacher is Paul. Paul is an intellect. He's a thinker. And then someone else said, well, we follow Apollos because Apollos is eloquent in his speech. And then others said, well, we don't follow anybody. We just follow after Jesus. So they were divided over leadership. They quarreled over spiritual gifts. What was the most important spiritual gift? In fact, in that church in Corinth, they actually were suing each other, going to court against each other, which Paul condemned. The church in Galatia, Paul writes in Galatians 5.15, But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. Now, he is speaking of the church in Galatia here, and the word picture that he gives is that of wild animals that are tearing at each other. That is the picture that he gives of this church in Galatia. Then he mentions the church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, I urge you, Odia, and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Now, we don't know who these women are or were. We don't know what their conflict was, but we know there was a conflict. So within the church, even in Philippi, there was this conflict that was going on, this quarrel that was going on between these two women. And certainly in the modern church, we have always had quarrels and conflict, oftentimes over doctrine. Sometimes we, we, uh, we have conflict and quarrels about various doctrines. I could not tell you the number of... Uh, Articles I have read about titled Worship Wars and the conflict within churches today over the style of worship, whether or not it is to be liturgical, whether it is to be traditional, whether it is to be contemporary, the style of worship. But did you know that is nothing new? Did you know that? As a matter of fact, Charles Finney wrote in his lectures on revival it took some churches centuries to adapt to Isaac Watts. And when a 
piece of music written by Isaac Watts was sung within the church, there were those people who would get up and literally leave because they did not like his music. Did you know within the church when the organ was introduced in the church that it split the church? I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about when the organ was introduced originally. When the piano came into the church, it again split the church. When hymnals were brought into the church, it again caused conflict within the church. I even know of a church that split over what color they should paint the parsonage where the pastor lived. Now, Linda and I didn't know those things. We did not grow up and just come up knowing those things. We thought she was supposed to decide that. We lived there. And so we just always painted and did whatever we wanted to because we were the ones who lived there. But there have always been these quarrels and conflicts within the body of Christ. So it is a reality. It has been common. What causes it? What is the cause of this conflict of these quarrels within the body of Christ? Look at verse number one again. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? In other words, he is saying the cause is man's rebellious, selfish desires. That is the cause of the conflict. Because I have this selfish, rebellious desire, I want what someone else has. And so we steal, we break into houses, we rob, we take, we embezzle. Sometimes because a nation wants the resources of another nation, they go to war against that nation, those selfish, rebellious desires. Sometimes it is a desire to dominate, as Hitler wanted to dominate the world and as Radical Islam wants to dominate the world today. Sometimes it's revenge. A perception that someone has done me wrong. I have been offended, so I want to get even with that person who has done me wrong. Now, folks, here's the thing. If these selfish, rebellious desires remain and we do not mature, then they will be expressed. And that's what James is teaching us. In fact, I read the Minnesota Crime Commission report, and this is what they wrote. Very interesting. Every baby starts life as a little savage. Now, I know that's not a good sentence to begin with, especially if you have a baby. But just listen to what they say. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. If permitted to continue in the self-centered world of his infancy, given free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up a criminal. That is from the Minnesota Crime Commission. That's what they said. How do we express these selfish, rebellious desires? Well, look at verse number 2 again. You lust and do not have, so what do you do? You commit murder. He said, well, I haven't done that. But you see, what he is referring to here is more than simply taking the life of another person. For instance, there can be murderous thoughts. When someone stands between you and what you desire, 
What are your thoughts toward that person? I could just kill him. It can be murderous thoughts. It can be murderous looks. How do you look at someone who has uh, stood between you or frustrated your desires? Linda and I were at Home Depot the other day, and so my car was parked, and I went out and got in the car, and I was just pulling out. And there was a guy who cut across. You know, I mean, he wasn't coming down the lane. He cut across through there. I didn't see him. He cut across right in front of me, and we almost um, met each other there. And I looked at him, and Linda said, goodness, if looks could kill, you would be dead. It wasn't even my fault. But how, how do you look at people when they frustrate your desires? So it can be a reference to murderous looks, murderous thoughts, murderous tongue. There are some people, most people, who use their tongue to destroy rather than a gun. So how are they expressed, these rebellious, selfish desires? He said, you murder. And then he goes on there in verse number 2. So you commit murder and you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Now then, I become envious, and what is the result of my envy? He says, you fight. The word fight literally means a continuing state of hostility. So I am envious of another person, and I fight. I mean, it's eating me up inside. I can't get away from it. It is there, this hostility. The word quarrel that is used there literally means an outburst of active animosity. And now then, I have animosity towards that person. Someone is not doing what I want them to do, and so that is eating away at me, and now then I have animosity towards that person. What happens then? We'll look at verse number 2 as it continues. You do not have because you do not ask. So he says we don't pray. Now then, as my selfish, rebellious spirit is being produced, he says I don't pray. Why do I not pray? Now, he's writing. You understand that he's writing to the children of God here, the body of Christ. Why don't we pray about something that we want? Because we're really not interested in what God wants. We're interested in what I want. You've heard the story about the man who was out for a walk at night. And and, uh, as he was walking along, he walked off a cliff. And as he's falling to the bottom, he reaches up just to grab anything and grabs hold of a limb. And he's holding on for dear mind. And he begins to pray because he was a Christian. He began to pray. And he said, Oh, Lord, help me. And after a while, he heard the voice say, Have faith. Turn loose. And he holds on. And he says, Oh, Lord, help me. And he heard the voice again and said, Have faith. Turn loose. Finally, he said, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) See, the reason we don't pray about something is because we're really not interested in what God wants. We're interested in what I want. That was Ahab when he wanted Naboth's vineyard. He didn't pray for Naboth's vineyard. He simply wanted it. And then when we do pray, he says we pray with wrong motives in verse number 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. The word amiss pertains to being incorrect or inaccurate with the possible implication of also being reprehensible. So how then are these rebellious desires uh, produced? He says, well, there's rebellious desires that lead to hostility towards God. Look at verse number four. 
You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So rebellious desires then lead us to a hostility to God. Let me give you three words. The first is covet. So we begin then to covet that that belongs only to God, which is exactly what Lucifer did. Lucifer had pride and fell because he coveted the position that belonged only to God. He said, I will exalt my throne above the throne of the Most High. So we begin to covet, and then there is godlessness. He says, you don't ask God. Why don't I ask God? Because I want what I want, not what God wants. I'm a child of God, but I'm not asking the Father for something. And then look at verse number 4 again. You adulteresses. Now, James here, of course, is speaking of spiritual adultery, and this is what God says. When we have these rebellious desires, these selfish desires, we become hostile towards God. We don't ask Him, and He says, you adulteress. Let me ask you a question, men. If your wife came to you and said, you know... I saw a beautiful two-carat diamond ring. I want it. And you said, we don't have the money. And she said, all right, I know another guy who will get it for me. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. We don't ask God. We simply say, well, I, I know someone else who will get it for me. You single adults who are thinking about uh, marrying someday... You see someone, you say, God, did you see that one? I think that must be the one. And God uh, says, it doesn't give you a piece about that. You say, no, I'm, that's not the one. <laughs> well, I think it is. God, I'm going to marry that one anyway. That's what he's talking about. I want something I don't ask of God. And so he says, so you're an adulteress. Peace only comes through mature relationships. That's the only way that we can overcome our quarrels. He tells us about the power for peace in verse number 5. Do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. The power for peace is the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. My friend, if you are a child of God, it is so important for you to understand that the Holy Spirit indwells you. If you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, according to Scripture. And the Bible says that He indwells us and empowers us to give us the peace that we cannot get otherwise. So the power for peace is the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then He gives us the principle of peace in verse number 6. But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know what the principle of peace is? Humility. Peace comes through humility. God opposes pride. He opposes selfish manipulation. He opposes us when we say, well, this is what I want. doesn't make any difference what anyone else wants. It doesn't make any difference what this might do to the church. This is what I want. God opposes. That's what the Scripture says. The Bible says that He opposes pride and He honors the humble. You know the story about the Pharisee and the publican who went into the temple to pray. And 
the Pharisee, the religious man, knelt and he was praying and he said, God, I, 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 I go to church every Sunday. I'm in Sunday school regularly. I tithe. I sing in the choir. I do all these things. And he said, and God, see that publican over there. I'm so glad I'm not like him. And the publican over there on his knees simply cried out and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You remember what Jesus said? He went home justified. The principle of peace is humility. We humble ourselves. And then the practice for peace. What can you do to have peace in your life? Let me say three things. First of all, submit to God. Verse number seven, submit therefore to God. The word submit is a military word. It means to put in proper order or rank, to subject oneself to another, to obey. So it means then to submit, to, to yield to, which is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was God the Son, equal with the Father, who submitted himself to the Father. And the Bible says in Philippians 2, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. We submit to God. Folks, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? It's not what I want, it's what God wants. And so I yield in to the Lord. Lord, what do you want in my life? What do you want me to do or to not do? But I submit myself to God. Secondly, resist the devil. He goes on in verse number 7. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. How do I resist the devil? I'm supposed to submit myself to God, and I'm supposed to resist the devil. How do I resist him? Well, he tells us. He says, cleanse your hands in verse number 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Now, hands refer to our deeds. So if we are involved in godly deeds, he says, then withdraw from them. If you are involved in some ungodly deed, he says, cleanse your hands. Withdraw from those deeds, whatever they are. And then he goes on and says, purify your heart in verse number 8. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Now, that refers to my motives. When I love the wrong things, our hearts become impure. So then I'm supposed to withdraw from those deeds that are ungodly. And I'm supposed to love those things that I'm supposed to love. And then he says there in verse number 9, Be miserable and mourn and weep. That is a call for repentance. That I am to repent from my selfish rebelliousness. The psalmist said, I am worn out from groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with my tears. Let me ask you something. How long has it been since you've actually shed tears over your sin? You've actually shed tears over your sin. That's repentance. Resist the devil, and then he says, and draw near to God in verse number 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How can you do that? How do you draw near to God? We resist the devil. We draw near to God. How do I draw near to God? Well, be sensitive to God. Listen to the voice of God. Do you hear his voice? One of my favorite stories is a, an American Indian who was in New York City. He was being shown around by a missionary. And as uh, they were walking around, the Indian stopped right there in the middle of the street. And people all around him, he said, stopped. And he said, 
I hear cricket. The missionary just looked at him in disbelief, and so he went over to the shrub and reached down and grabbed a cricket. And the missionary said, how in the world did you hear that? The Indian took out a coin, dropped it. Everyone on the street stopped to look. And he said, we hear what we listen for. What do you listen for? Are you sensitive to the voice of God? When, when you read His Word, are you listening to His voice? When someone speaks to you, are you listening to His voice? When we come to worship, are you listening for God to speak to you? Be sensitive. Practice His presence. I remember one time I was in my room studying. Eric was just a little child at that time. He came in there, and he was just sitting over there. And so I turned to him, and I said, Son, what, what, what do you want? He said, Nothing. I just want to be with you. Practice his presence. Listen to his voice. And practice his presence. Here's the, here's the promise in verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. When we humble ourselves, which is a response of maturity then it is God who exalts us. John the Baptist said of Jesus, He must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus said of John the Baptist, There was none greater than John the Baptist. Let me conclude. When we fight and quarrel and have conflicts, it is evidence of immaturity. Whether an individual or church, when we fight and quarrel and have conflict, it is evidence of spiritual immaturity. When we submit to God, we resist the devil, and we draw near to God, we have peace. Whether an individual or church, because it is God who gives us peace. You know what? My guess is that there are some of you today who are in conflict with God. You're struggling against God. And that's the reason you have no peace in your life. My friend, I say to you from the authority of God's Word, if you submit yourself to Him and draw near to Him, He'll give you the peace that your heart longs for. He'll change your life. Our Father in God, we come to a time of invitation and ask, Lord, for your anointing, your blessing. Lord, that you would uh, draw people unto yourself. And I know that there are people who are struggling in conflict with you. And I pray, Father, that today they might lose that war and simply yield themselves to you, to your authority. Some to be saved, some to join the church. They've been struggling with that. And I pray, Father, that if this is where you want them, they will come today. But bless this invitation time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand, sing a hymn of invitation. And my friend, this is an opportunity for you to commit your life to Christ, to join the church. Whatever God is speaking to your heart about, don't struggle with Him. Yield to Him. Submit to Him.
Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings, you come, and I'll greet you.